Welcome to Hickmania. Welcome to Hickmania. Welcome to my three. ultimate year. Hickmania is the reading club where we're going through the creator own works of Jonathan Hickman. My my ultimate year is the comic book reading club going through all of the ultimate universe. It, you, you know what? I, I Mostly, I'm excited today to be joined by my co-host for this episode. My co-host? Charlotte, Charlotte Fierro. Charlotte, welcome to the show. Charlotte, so welcome to back you. to my ultimate year. Very excited to have you on again. Is this a bad time to announce uh, that I'm leaving to f- create my own Percy Jackson podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Spotify got to her. Spotify got to Charlotte exactly. too early. No, it's too bad. All right, yes, you may. Yeah, you I'm, may. I'm be- going to be talking Percy Jackson on Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> all Percy Jackson all the time. Uh, so you may notice some confusion here in the in the opening of this episode. You got my ultimate year and my best comics ever. This is a rare crossover. It's it's Hickmania number three. It's my ultimate year, the continuation of the read-through through the entire Marvel Ultimate Universe, because we're going to be talking about Jonathan Hickman's Ultimate Universe contributions, Ultimate Comics Hawkeye, and Ultimate Comics Ultimates. Um, we Now, you, you two already covered ultimate comics thor which is a a thor book that he did in here as well as ultimate comics fallout some short stories he had done which i'm going to talk about a little bit today but for me for dave i'm the founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com uh hickmania is a series going through the entirety of 2022 where we'll be reading and analyzing the creator and works of writer jonathan hickman uh from his debut the nightly news through to his most recent output now episode three was going to be in chronological sequence was going to be transhuman Okay, which is his third creator-owned output. Um, it's actually the first book he had done, uh, or that was published at least, with um, you know an artist other than himself. It's the first time he's not drawing his own work. He's working with J.M. Ringuet. Uh, here's the thing about reading Transhuman, which I had never done before this project. It is by far his worst work um, by, by several miles. <laughs> it is a mockumentary, okay, uh, it, so so labeled by by the writer himself um, about genetic engineering, uh, about the business practices of that, and it is like it, it tries to play appropriately enough for for the ultimate universe conversation we're going to have in the Mark Miller space uh, at times of sort of gross out, crass teenage humor, and it just falls on its face over and over and over again. Listen, it is an interesting failure, but but because my ultimate year. This podcast that that Zach and I started going through the full Ultimate Universe, a spinoff of my Marvelous Whoa, Year. You were on this show. Where we go? Wow, wow! What have you done for me lately? Real short. Charlotte. Memory. I thought Charlotte had always been the co-host of the show. It just mm-hmm. feels. Since that, I that went way. back in time to join the my Ultimate Year podcast from the from the. Wow, dump. you you doomed <laughs> time platform the me. Best. <laughs> she has. She just uh, went back and re-recorded every line, and I have re-edited. <laughs> Listen to the old episodes. Sometimes. So now it's so now it's my ultimate year number one, Charlotte's version in parentheses, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Appropriate. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I have memories of being on the show, whether it's true or not. <laughs> um, and uh, and 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 now the Ultimate Universe read through is approaching the Hickman Ultimate stuff. Anyway, I saw this as the perfect opportunity to avoid. The long conversation about why transhuman is a mess. <laughs> oh, so you're not even reading it? <laughs> no, I read it. I read it. I'm just not oh, going to cover it. I'm not going to cover it in this in a particular episode because, like, here's the thing. Like, so we covered nightly news. We covered Pax Romana. Um, both of those are like really interesting, and there's good stuff. But we're also pretty critical of them, right? Like, we're having a full conversation about what works, what doesn't. And I do not want to do a full 
SQL hour of just negativity. I just don't want to put that on the feed. Instead, I'd rather talk about something that I mostly really like, which is this Ultimate Comics Hawkeye and, and yeah. Ultimates. So thank you to Zach and Charlotte for allowing me to cross this thing over. Hijack. To hijack my ultimate year. <laughs> Zach, what is my ultimate year? I mean, I, I've described it, but, yeah, but what have you been doing? Some, some of your best comics ever listeners might not know. Yeah, it's the uh, spinoff of My Marvelous Year we started about three years ago. Uh, well, two and a half. And uh, it's covering every comic in the my or in the ultimate universe of Marvel Comics. We are probably 75, 80% of the way through. This is... Uh, the seventh to last episode. Yeah, this is so Endgame stuff. The whole thing up. Yeah, this is yeah, this is pretty close to the end. And uh, yeah, so come join. It starts out with Dave for uh, I don't know an episode or two, and then Charlotte takes over. And actually, and the show really levels up. Yeah. And <laughs> right. And I'm really excited um, about uh, when this is coming out. So like this Ultimates coverage for Hickmania is going to come out in March. It's going to be our March 2022 episode. The My Ultimate Year episode that releases in March is my guest star guest star appearance covering ultimatum with both of you so mm -hmm. if you're That's curious true. to hear what my ultimate year is all about you can hear all three of us talk ultimatum uh which is obviously mm -hmm. an interesting time and i'm just gonna venture to guess we'll come up in conversation about uh ultimates and hawkeye here um as a basic like like i guess here's the thing like as you've been covering the post ultimatum landscape yeah have you had a single conversation where you don't have to reference ultimatum uh miles i guess okay right? I mean, yeah the, the spider the spider-man has Can veered I, yeah. kind of away from that for the most part um like the the death of peter parker and moving into the miles morales era uh that that doesn't feel too strongly influenced by like what happened in ultimatum okay okay yeah, yeah. i mean the the ultimate universe has been in a weird place between uh ultimatum and these comics that we're going be, going to be talking about which is a weird short period of time between relaunches which feels like they did a first relaunch that didn't really work, and now they're doing it again with Bendis and Spencer and mm -hmm. Hickman on, uh, on Ultimate. Right. Yeah, you're going to see Hickman like almost hand wave away some of the relaunch stuff that we yeah. just got. <laughs> really? <laughs> Which is okay. For the better, yeah, I think. But like, uh, just kind of interesting. Before we jump into that, Dave, since I am on Hickmania, technically, mm -hmm. um, just got to say, it doesn't even sound like you and uh, your guests have been like real Hickman fans, because I read Pax Romania. <laughs> And uh, the nightly news. Uh -huh. like, those are very good comics. I, I I wish I was on both those episodes. So I could bully you nerds for uh, <laughs> not liking those comics enough. Both That's those funny. Are, are very, I, I I really like those. Uh, they they might be my favorite hickman stuff you know pax romana I, oh wow that's that's I, interesting I read yeah that much besides like manhattan projects so i, I definitely yeah. have hickman stuff i like more um pax romana i i do think like it probably it comes off maybe as more critical than i think the intent was um which was yeah, to I, which I was to have to say that yeah 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 no it's just like you know we were having a, a conversation about what works and what doesn't um pax romana is pretty good like i have it inside yeah, the top 300 of my favorite comics of all time you know on the best comics of all time list yeah. on cbh right like so it's not yeah. I'm not anti-Pax Romana in any capacity. I do think the Nightly News definitely reads very differently now. Like I'm not, I'm not as taken by that book. And, and but again, I think we were, I think we're fair, Zach. I think we're no, fair, totally fair, and those, I think the are, people need to hear what uh, what a real critic <laughs> thinks of these books. <laughs> what, a real one of Zach your guests, like. I, I can't remember if it was Chris or Rob, but one of them said that um, Pax Romana read kind of like a intro guidebook to um to an rpg yeah i think that's exactly why i like pax romana <laughs> yeah it, it, you know what it's funny reading pax uh, sorry we, we won't talk about this much but like 
Pax Romana compared to uh, reading Hickman's um, Three Worlds project on Substack. Yeah. I'm sure. like seeing a lot of the same thing because it's like he has characters in the book talking about world building <laughs> and like in in ways that are like exactly paralleling what he like this was a, a beginning place for him to work out ideas that he was going to work out on his Substack project well, later. And speaking of yes, beginning right, places exactly. to work out ideas, Marvel, Ultimates, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. in the Marvel Universe side. Absolutely. Like, it's a perfect segue. Because yeah. um, this is definitely a creator who is, like, very interested in refining and critiquing their work. Um, you know, you mentioned the Three Worlds, Three Moons. I just listened to a conversation, a live stream he had with their new editor-in-chief, Stephen Wacker. And in that conversation, he was basically saying, like, the secret to being a great comics writer is you dissect and you critique your work harder than anyone so that when people bring feedback to you, essentially, when they bring critiques to you, you've already thought about it. You've already done the homework, essentially, um, which doesn't mean you can't have other ideas that you bounce off or whatever. But like, this is clearly a creator who does that. But also, he's building things here in Ultimates that he's going to use in Avengers, that he's going to use in X-Men, um, that he's going to use in creator-owned works like East of West and Black Monday Murders. Like, the, the experience, the build is mm -hmm. very, very clear, I think, when you're when you're familiar yeah. with the catalog. Um, and, I, and I do just, just to your earlier point, I'm a big fan of the work. I came into, I'm a, and I'm especially a big fan of the Marvel work. And that's part of the, the rationale for the project here is, okay, I have Jonathan Hickman's Marvel Universe as my fourth favorite comics of all time, okay? Um, but I haven't necessarily read all of his creator-owned stuff, and I haven't had long, deep conversations about, and, and honestly, I think a lot of times there's not like clear, good criticism or exploration of his longer run. So I wasn't going to do the Marvel stuff because the Marvel stuff gets all the attention. It's obvious. Mm -hmm. Like, like yes, go read Secret Warriors. Go read Fantastic Four. <laughs> um, but Ultimates was too good an opportunity. Plus, because it's outside 616, listen, it's not a creator-owned work, but it has more of that energy. It has more of that energy of, like, I can do whatever I want with these toys. Um, and I, I think we'll talk about the appeal of that because that's definitely, like, that's why I think these first nine issues, I'm going to say, are so exciting um, in, in terms of being like, okay, we've got a visionary or a mm -hmm. creative auteur here in Hickman and Isad Ribich on Ultimate Comics Ultimates who are like, listen, this Ultimate Universe has been blown up. It has been destroyed. It has been sometimes cannibalized and eaten. It is in position <laughs> to be reformed and remade in a new image. How do we do that? Um playing with all the Marvel Universe concepts and toys, and and I think that's where Ultimates is most interesting. All right, let me throw it to Charlotte. Charlotte, you've been reading the full Ultimate Journey. Coming into these comics fresh, um, again, like we're going to talk about Ultimate Comics, Hawkeye as well, because it's really, it's a piece of this. It's it's a tie-in, you know, but it's connected to Ultimates. Um, out of that context, into this new era of Hickman on Ultimates, Bendis on Miles, Spider-Man, Spencer on Ultimate X-Men, how did these hit for you? How did it work? Did it have you excited about the Ultimate Universe again? Kind of what's what's that experience been? Yeah, I think it's uh, exactly like you said. It's it helps a lot getting re-excited about the the Ultimate Universe. I think it's a great start for a relaunch of the universe because by the end it's a completely different universe. Like he he makes up countries. He completely he destroys uh, entire countries. Like the the ultimate universe is changed in a way that couldn't happen in the main uh, in the main six one six universe, yeah. which is very fun to see, and uh, and also like I think half of my enjoyment was uh, reading it as part of the Marvel universe, uh, as part of the ultimate universe, and half of it was reading it as almost a um, thematical prequel to 
the Krakoa era and some of his mm. later Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah. There are yeah, some totally. scenes that can ke- be compared almost page by page to stuff that happens in the Huxbox, for example. So that was very interesting. Yeah, the X-Men parallels are more than I think I anticipated. Um, it was something I didn't really realize until reading his X-Men run when you get to issues 18 and 19 um, in, in the vault. And and actually, I haven't said it yet, but uh, spoiler alert, we are going to talk <laughs> about Ultimate Comics Hawkeye and Ultimate um, Ultimate Ultimates in full. Okay, we're going to talk about these full stories as people have read them. If you don't want anything spoiled, definitely go read them and come back. Okay, but yes, there is so much X-Men stuff here. I actually started making a list. Um, let's see if I can find it of just all the X-Men stuff. But like definitely with the Vault and, and the People of Tomorrow, uh, there's there's a ton of stuff that that is overlapping. But but even just conceptually. All right, Zach. Um, what was what was your reaction to this as a an Ultimate Universe clearly in need of some direction and some change? Yeah. Um, where where did this hit for you? One of the first times in the Ultimate Universe that someone has stepped in and fulfilled the promise of the Ultimate Universe, which is like, hey, you can kind of do whatever you want here, <laughs> right? Like, take take this world and build something really fresh and new with it. Um, and, and I'll he he doesn't make huge. It's not like Miller who wants to make huge status quo changes to the main characters. He's not just like bringing in you know traditional Marvel characters and wanting them to be. You know, like like Mark Miller does on the Ultimates, where like Captain America is kind of a, a right wing jerk, and Tony Stark is a alcoholic with a brain tumor, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's just building this world on his own, like outside of the um, set characters, but he really is building something new and uh, exciting. Yeah, I think I think one of the most impressive things about Hickman taking over Ultimates is I, it, clearly this is ripe for reinvention of a Marvel universe that, you know, kind of stuff we haven't seen before. Um, and I do appreciate too, like, so ultimates as a brand at this point means something, you know, like the Miller and Hitch stuff means a lot to creators a decade later. Like Hickman talks very, um, uh, glowingly about that original work by Miller and Hitch. You know, he says like, it's like perfect superhero comics kind of stuff. Um, and I'm paraphrasing that might not be exactly what it is, but there's, there's very positive sentiment and I think Hickman gets that and what he get and with Rivich, especially because it's like you have to have the artistic component to sell the sci-fi and sell the futuristic aspects of of this world, essentially. Um, but he dives really head first into like, OK, what can we do in Ultimates that is different than 616 and mm-hmm. and how do we sell that? And one of the big things is like it allows for these geopolitical exploration taken to extremes. Right. So like. In Miller Hitch Ultimates, you have this post-9-11 reaction to modern mass casualty, external terrorism. And then in Ultimates 2, you do actually get more with, like, American exceptionalism and America is the world's police. And all this post-Iraq stuff, or the stuff that was going on, not post-Iraq, this middle of Iraq war stuff that was going on in America, right? This global scale of a world where S.H.I.E.L.D. and this universe's Avengers are very purposefully military police. You know, like that is what the Ultimates are. I mean, you see a lot of this like very cold takes now, frankly, on social media about like, oh, the Avengers are cops. But really, that's an Ultimate Universe interpretation. Like the Ultimate Universe Ultimates, they are police. Like they are they are shields, you know, they are shield agents, all of them. You know, Iron Man, Captain America, uh, Thor, this and Hulk even to a degree, right? This is this is what they, Black Widow, like this is what they are. Um, and, and Hickman gets that and he utilizes that, but then he sort of subverts it and he plays in interesting ways. And I, I think he really dives headfirst into... I think kind of the best thing that Miller and Hitch walked up to in Ultimates 2, 
actually, in terms of a willingness to actually um, sort of like, if not criticize, at least explore American politics, throwing the weight of, of the military at every provocation. Um, I don't necessarily expect us to get a ton of mileage out of like the politics of Ultimates because it's not what the story's doing. Um, but it's actually like deeply under discussed that this is the book that vilified and then blew up a sitting president. Uh, he's never named, but that's clearly 2012 Barack Obama, right? Well, listen, uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, Mark Miller did, I think, blow up Barbara Bush, maybe, or uh, okay, Bush. I can't okay. remember. Yeah, definitely killed the first lady <laughs> as a gag, even. <laughs> Which you know, <laughs> I that's... think George W. Bush was naked in front of the White House. He gets, yeah, he's little definitely little naked on the lawn in front of Magneto at one point, but I don't he actually yeah. gets blown up with like okay, the so entirety of congress <laughs> the the politics aspect of this is interesting to me because hickman is he's simultaneous he seems like he's someone who's really interested in discussing structures of power and that like big political movements without ever really focusing on details right like which is fine because mm. he's a very detailed driven guy but like he is not trying like like he very rarely sounds like he's being like this political movement of the past two years is what i'm focusing on right like right. i'm talking about trump here i'm talking about george w bush and the invasion of iraq like he he definitely likes to talk about huge societal sh shifts in power rather than like hone in on the personal so like but but that does mean that sometimes he uses real world stuff and it kind of feels like he's just kind of wants to use the um like the meme of it almost like mm. i don't mean as a joke meme but like memetically he is using china slash north korea just our kind of vague idea of red scare asian powers that are now you know like brutal to their people and using their people for human experimentation and creating these this new strain of super people right but like i don't think he really cares about north korea i don't think that's his point here right like that that is not what he's getting behind necessarily i was actually surprised later when uh china was named by name because i was just like oh you're just talking about china but not saying china but well and, and here it's the asian... it's the southeast asian republic right it's the seer which is like it's real in the sense that like you can point to it on a map but it's kind of latveria in the sense that mm -hmm. it's not yeah <laughs> right? right yes which i was surprised he didn't just use madripoor honestly just uh, tweet yeah. to his own. Sure. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, because it's not a real country, but he still uses real places. Like uh, most of it happens in Bangkok, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, totally uh, it's, it's kind of like he's. It's like it's kind of like what he does with uh, alternate histories, and that's he kind of does that here with uh, alternate countries, uh, the Marvel universe that that doesn't reflect actually how the real work uh, is, real world is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, speak, speaking of that, just as an aside. Um, this does start out in northern Germany, um, with the, <laughs> the maker creating a city in northern Germany. And we did have a German listener in the Slack uh, pop in, Johannes, and say, uh, that looks like the desert. Northern Germany is, like, heavily forested. <laughs> it looks nothing like Arizona, which is what the art is like. Yeah. It's just a weird little mix mash of detail that... Uh, well, maybe it, maybe that obviously. was post-maker uh, setting down, and it destroyed <laughs> all the forestry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's what it is. Okay. Never we'll, mind. we'll know. Y Johannes, apologize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, please apologize to Isadorovich. Um, no, I, I think you're both spot on. And Zach, I think you made a great point there, which is like Hickman, and I think this is true of his work across the board generally, he's regularly playing with the idea of politics and the societal influence of these things. And I think the the specifics of 
oh, that looks like Barack Obama, is less a reflection of like, what was US policy circa 2011, 2012, and more of just like, well, that's what we do in the ultimate universe. We use the real president um, and, and sort of reflection. And then I think there's some commentary around like, as ultimate progresses, you have this like America versus shield kind of situation, but really all of it is kind of just building to this idea of like, the ultimates is a superhero universe. And how do we make America sort of like superhero driven or should it be, you know, essentially. And that's kind of like a thing that the ultimate universe will continue to go on to play with. So, all right, let's back that up and let's talk about, yeah, kind of what we're talking about there with the maker and in ultimate comics, ultimates kind of how this, this series starts. Um, so the first thing I'll say here is the Hickman written pieces of ultimate fallout that come before this issues three through six actually do add a healthy amount of context for what's happening in the first like two or three issues, uh, particularly with the maker and, and Tony's rich friends. Um, I don't think we're spoiling anything by saying who the maker is, but again, if you don't know, no, like, it was, go and read it, these. This Okay. This is actually a question I had for Charlotte. Cause my memory is awful when it comes to this stuff, but it's revealed. And, and again, spoilers, it's revealed about, I don't know, a few issues into this, that the maker is Reed Richards. I thought we just knew that already, right, Charlotte? Yeah, like, we knew that from Ultimate Fallout. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. it's already... I I, th I was like, that was done as like a issue end reveal. And I was like, but we knew that. I mean, the reveal is his head's all wonky now, but like, <laughs> that's less of a twist. He's got a fun, like uh, like monk, like fire tuck monk haircut around a really big long and, head. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of reinforces what we were saying about uh, Ultimate Fallout in the episode, which is it was basically just an ad for what they were about to launch. But so like, it's a weirdly do important it the comic. Yeah. yeah. You know, cause I, cause I read these definitely the first time without having read ultimate fallout. And, um, it, it does, it, the read stuff is like, you can, you can, you can read this without knowing that. And I guess maybe that's the intent of keeping it secret, you know, uh, it is like, well, maybe not everybody didn't read ultimate fallout. So we'll kind of play that up for who could this be, even though it feels obvious now. Um, the stuff with Tony and his rich friends is like weirdly critical <laughs> because that they just throw you in the deep end. And then that's one of the many plot lines here that just gets totally dropped as the ultimate spirals towards its greatest failure, which is that it gets cut off way too short or the Hickman version of it does. Right. Um, so anyway, going, going off of that, the way this book starts is with, um, the maker, AKA Reed Richards post ultimate fallout post Bendis written Ultimate Enemy Trilogy, which basically made Reed Richards the evil version of Reed Richards, right? He becomes mm -hmm. yeah. the Doctor Doom. He becomes um, the scorned genius, essentially. That's the Ultimate Universe version of Reed. And he returns here after being left for dead in the negative zone with semi-plot for revenge, but mostly just like he's creating a perfect society. And this is something that Hickman explores a lot in his work, exploring evolution, advancement of theoretical perfect societies, genetic engineering. We've seen all these themes developed in his creator-owned stuff, right? Pax Romana, Transhuman, we'll see it a bit in A Red Mask for Mars. Um, and what he does here is he takes mostly Morrisonian concepts from New X-Men, the world. Um, he takes Mike Carey, X-Men. He takes Children of the Vault. And he makes the maker, as the head of all this, making the Children of Tomorrow. Uh, which, if you're familiar with X-Men now, if you're familiar with the Mike Carey X-Men run, the children of tomorrow are just replace tomorrow with vault and it's the children of the vault. Yeah. Like it's, it, it is truly that in the Morrisonian concept of the world, which is this really cool concept that Hickman clearly is enamored with, which is like, what if we could speed up evolution? 
what if we could speed up creating a perfect society? Pa- and what Pax Maker Romano, does, right? Pax Romana as well. And it's like, we're going to make a perfect society and a thousand years will have passed here in only a few seconds or a few minutes in the real world or whatever the math is, right? Um, Zach, what was your, what was your reaction to, because this is new for you in terms of the mm-hmm. Maker and his plan. Um, how did you like that? How did you like that development after what you've seen of Reed Richards in the Ultimate Universe? How did that stuff hit for you? It's good, and it's not. I'm not gonna give Ellis or Carrie that much credit for like really building this. Like Morrison Reed Richards has always been. Hmm? Uh, Graham Morrison. It's a Graham Morrison idea. No, I mean like the the long buildup of Ultimate. Oh, of Reed Four gotcha. was like Ellis and Carrie were like on it for a really long time, and like like Reed Richards is always a jerk. Right, but it's I, I don't think they had that in mind. I think they ran out of ideas and <laughs> we're not selling Fantastic Four comics and we're like, All right, what 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 can we do with this? Like we're we're not we're canceling the series, what can we do interesting with this? We can make Reed Richards a villain, it kinda seems like a natural progression. But like the um is it Ultimate Enemy, that's what you said, mm-hmm. uh, was the one where we first yeah, got revealed. That it's not that exciting to me the way it was done. Like it, it's a cool idea, but um it doesn't hit like this, which is where you're genuinely seeing, oh, Reed Richards is very formidable. <laughs> he's a very formidable brain to be reckoned with. And he's got an idea that's going to be, of course, you know, devastating to the world and uh, a serious threat. And yeah, I think it's very exciting. Um, I, I think it still sticks with the Reed Richards character, right? Like his ego uh, about being the smartest is still on full display here. Mm-hmm. But also that he's not purely just like a Machiavellian I mean he's very Machiavellian but he's not in it for you know psychopath psychopathic reasons of you know he just doesn't want to cause mass destruction and kill mindlessly right like uh, he wants to create a better society and you know if he has to break a few eggs along the way like so be it but he still is you know for what he thinks is a greater good for the greater good of society Um, and then you know interestingly we'll get into it that like his human failability and his uh, weaknesses are what like are the downfall of him in contrast to the city that he created um which I yeah. think is a very interesting point yeah and charlotte before we throw it to you i just i want to mention here that like so you know I've, we've been talking on hickmania about hickman as coming into his own as a creator right nightly news pax romana he's like he's beginning his comics career like these are literally the first comics he's putting out by the time we get to ultimates this is a jump right we're starting in 2011 he's fairly fully formed um not literally like at his peak, but he's written the entirety of Secret Warriors just ended. Um, he's deep into his Fantastic Four run, and in the Fantastic Four run in particular, this is a writer who knows Reed Richards, right? Like, that is a Reed Richards-centric run to the point that there are multiversal Reed Richards, right? So he's written alternate takes on Reed. Charlotte, as someone who is probably a little more familiar with the Marvel universe uh, of Hickman, and particularly his Fantastic Four um, what do you think it is about the maker that like that works and stands out? Because it's not like he hasn't written quote unquote evil reads before, but this one does seem to have some gravitas. I think. Uh, to be honest, I haven't read his actual Fantastic Four. I've okay. mostly read his uh, Avengers, uh, like Avengers and Forward, because that's one of the first uh, Marvel comics uh, I read. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's very interesting to to see him write uh read as his like a mix of read and doom and kind of in the line of what he'll do with doom in uh, i mean i'm guessing in his fantastic four but also in his uh, avengers and secret wars um it's it's very interesting to have that uh he 
Reed is the incarnation of what he does with Impact Romana uh, and uh, in a lot of his books with uh, the idea of the great man who wants to to change the world and bring on his uh, ideal society. And uh, and here, like the opposition between, uh, like there's three sides. There's Reed, there's the US, and there's uh, Zone and Zone with the the people. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, it's very interesting to to have. Um, Basically, he plays in his own sandbox with characters that he... Half of them he didn't create, the Miller or Bendis creations, and he, he does his own stuff with them, but uh, in the line of what was done before. And then he completely invents a new corner of the universe that uh, becomes hugely important here uh, with, uh, with Zone and Zone. And that, uh, yeah, the, the opposition between the, the two are very interesting and the... He makes uh, the children of the vault or the children of tomorrow work, even though they're very inspired by stuff um, that happens before. Bef because of the context of uh, how it's happening in Ultimates, it's uh, under a whole new light. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, and it, like the children of tomorrow are the children of the maker, right? These are the beings that he is manufacturing yeah. within the world, his perfect society. These are they are all they are all built, right? They are manufactured and they are all built to have a purpose. You know, it's like an ant colony, but for genetically engineered human beings. Um, and they are also like, the reason these are such, so you have the maker lives inside the city and they have this artificial intelligence manufacturing the people or the children of tomorrow. These are great concepts and great antagonists because they effectively capture like, okay, in this world with, and there's a quote here about Tony Stark being like an alcoholic weapon of mass destruction, right? This is the world, power beings, that brings evolution, right? That brings evolved threats. And for the longest time, arguably like the entire run until the very end, the city, the maker, the children of tomorrow, they're an enemy that S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Ultimates cannot defeat. Like they cannot punch their way out of this one. They cannot even nuke their way out of this one. Nukes are used repeatedly, you know? And it's All, like, like... Literally every nuke. <laughs> yeah, like every nuke yeah. in, in the world <laughs> is used. Um, and, and there's a quote here from the maker, which I think captures what, what Hickman's getting at with this, which is, how else will mankind find the grace to manage its own extinction spiral? That's a cool concept. That's a nice big idea of like, mankind is outdated. Mankind is at the end of its rope, including the ultimates, including S.H.I.E.L.D. We're the next wave. We're what comes next. Speaking of what comes next, we also have in Ultimate Comics Hawkeye, which you're talking about here, Charlotte, the people and Zorn and Zorn and this new society. Let's let's go to that because for the longest time, I definitely thought like Ultimate Comics Hawkeye, I don't know, I just had this memory of it being like kind of inessential um, doing more Hawkeye origin stuff, kind of like he does with Thor, which is fine if you're super invested in the Ultimate Universe, but not necessarily what I'm here for. It's actually not really what it is. There's actually huge ideas, and it's it's pretty critical yeah. to understanding and enjoying Ultimates. Zach, what did you make of really like the sci-fi and the <clears throat> political intrigue of Seer here with their plot and then the ramifications of developing... Um, the people of the people of tomorrow. I keep getting the children. No, they're just the just people, the people. Yeah. I yeah, get those people, those yeah. so mixed up in my head every time. Just the people. What do you what do you think yeah, of it, all that? It's a fun idea. Once you kind of separate it from the like again, him just using vague, you know, North Korean uh, scaremongering <laughs> a little bit. <clears throat> if you can kind of get past that part, I think uh, it is a very interesting idea. The superpower that wants to, uh, and this is something that we don't explore use a virus to wipe out all mutants or to, to halt the creation of new mutants worldwide. They're yeah. like, we're going to have this, you know, this virus will be spread throughout the world within five days, like total coverage over the human population. And it will completely eradicate the, um, 
the presence of the like mutant gene ever i i'm assuming popping up again because there's still mutants around but it just means like no more mutants and was this post or pre house of m oh it's post like this is this okay, is so doing this is, wanda's this is decimation winking. but with this is a virus it's making jokes okay because they say no more mutants a few times um yeah i don't know that it's I, even a joke I, so much as just a nod and a wink and uh uh, uh, the ultimate, th- the ult- the thing the ultimates can do, which is we're going to take a Marvel idea and we're going to spin yeah. it, right, and yeah. see if it works. So with uh, with the creation of these superhumans who then rebel against their creators, um, which is I guess a parallel we see again with the uh, the city later. Um, you get the creation of Tion or Heaven and the two factions, which is the Eternals and the Celestials. Yeah, and then and this is fun because I don't really. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jack Kirby, but I don't really need his version of the Eternals or Celestials in the Ultimate Universe. I was not, like, excited to see them, but him just using this uh, language here was kind of fun, especially when then they, these groups label everyone else deviants. Uh, Yeah. It's it's the fun way of dealing with deviants, which is kind of a problematic idea, period, right? Having, like, yeah, it's the slave race of uh, genetically lesser people living under, you know, under our houses. Um, Oh, you're you're thinking of Alpha Primitives. The deviants have thriving societies. Yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. I am thinking of Alpha Primitives. You're right. Um, but yeah, it, deviants just being all humans who are not part of the Eternals or the Celestials, uh, which is just uh, kind of, kind of a fun little slam on humanity. But okay, so <laughs> this idea is interesting. And then by the end of Ultimate Hawkeye, where it really gets built up, I'm like, okay, I I, I want to learn more. I want to see what these these people are about. And then this is the big disappointment of this Hickman story is that that doesn't. Uh, th- this stuff is the only stuff that doesn't feel fully developed. Um, like by by the end, it feels like we never get full closure uh, on like who the people are. Um, that that is like the the big issue with this whole run for me. I I think I would agree. So I I think closure is a problem with the with this whole project. You know, like like we're kind of beating around the bush here, but like the worst thing about Ultimates, pretty unquestionably for me, is it fast tracks the ending. Um, and it kind of has to, right? And you hit a point. It's either issue nine or issue ten, um, and it's like this where Sam Humphreys joins as co-writer with Hickman, and the second that happens, it's just like we're in transition mode, you know, um, we're out of the Hickman era hmm. into the Humphreys, and honestly, this isn't even about like Humphreys' capabilities as a writer in any capacity. That's not even what I'm talking about. It's just that we like we effectively only have like nine issues of Hickman and Ribich's auteur creator vision for Ultimates plus Hawkeye, right? Which isn't. Which is an Isadora Rivich. We should give credit there on Hawkeye. We got art by Rafa Sandoval, inks by Jordi Tarragona, colors by Brad Anderson, letters by Clayton Cowles on both of these. Um, but it's just like the second we hit that stage, it's like, oh, okay, we're transitioning out of this. And you feel it, I think, in those issues. Um, they're handing over the keys, you know? And and Hickman has repeatedly said he was really disappointed by this. Like he was disappointed with his Ultimates run ending and that he would have liked to have been on the book for much longer. I've got a quote here, actually. This is Circus Secret Wars. So it's like five years later. Um, I think that ultimate stuff that Esad and I did is one of the best things I've done at Marvel. It was unquestionably a failure, but it wasn't the, that the book wasn't good. It was because it was the same time the new 52 came out. It got completely crushed under a wave of product. That was a bummer. I wanted to build the ultimate universe. I wanted to do it in a way where you couldn't in 616. And I'm paraphrasing here. Um, he was saying, you know, you weren't constrained by continuity. I desperately wanted that book to succeed. I would have done that book for years. Like it's one of the great what ifs of the Hickman Marvel verse is like, I, I always have this idea that I, that I'm constantly pushing, which is like, I would love it if Marvel launched a Marvel universe number one. And it was out of continuity. It was just a totally separate thing where you gave basically like 
auteurs, you gave creators that you really trust the ability to say, hey, here's our oversized, maybe nine issues a year Marvel Universe, you know, book. You could do it in a season and you just give like one creative team or creative teams the opportunity to just do the whole thing, right? Hickman had that. (laughs) He had that with Ultimates. The only thing he doesn't have is Bendis doing Miles and the Spider-Man verse and then technically Spencer on X-Men. But he's playing with X-Men stuff in Ultimate Hawk in Hawkeye anyway, right? You have mm-hmm. Shield references. Like like Hickman has the Marvel Universe book. Um and and he says here, you know, it just got crushed under New 52 sales. Therefore he had to go off. Now, this this actually conflates a little bit with some other quotes. So like at the time, he told CBR, "I got a job offer that I couldn't refuse, so I'm taking it." That was obviously mm-hmm. taking over Avengers and New Avengers with yep. um with the launch of Marvel now in 2012. So like there's some editorial Marvel corporate business response to DC's launch of the new 52 where it's like hey to compete we have to do a Marvel now. We have to do a wave of number ones of our own. Um I actually looked I, I was curious like was Ultimate Comics Ultimate sales that bad? Um I went and looked and like if you compare it to the previous year to like um I think it was Avengers 3 or Ultimate Comics Avengers 3 or whatever the previous one that Miller did. The sales on that launched the previous year, they aren't that far apart. We're talking like six to 8,000 units comparing number one and number two issues. The difference is Ultimate Comics Avengers is like inside the top 20 of comics. Um, But in once the new 52 launches, Ultimates is like out of the top 50 when it launches, basically. You know, so it's just like the volume a product like the numbers it's like the units moving aren't that different but the actual like ranking is bad comparatively and then the other piece of that that i find interesting is like hickman's like okay i got crushed the sales weren't good i had to get off but then sam Humphreys comes on the book and it goes for another 20 plus issues yeah like the book actually doesn't get canceled yeah you know it, it, it is remind i mean i i am not i have not read past the first year of his uh era on x-men mm-hmm. but isn't this kind of a this is something i was seeing a lot of discussion about which is with the X-Men stuff, which is like, oh, yeah, he set up all this stuff in Hawks Pox in the beginning of the X-Men era. And, like, are we ever going to see it? And I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not anymore. Well. Right? So, like, that that does seem to be a reoccurring problem. Although, I, I wanted to ask, does Secret Wars, like, you know, pull the landing? Does Secret Wars do it? Does it complete and have closure? So, that that's the other piece of this, which is Ultimates can be viewed as a piece of the Hickmanverse, which is can be read as one giant story. You know, mm-hmm. so if you go from Secret Warriors, Fantastic Four, Ultimates into Avengers up to um, Secret Wars, Ultimates does ultimately become a piece of that. Yeah, um, right. So, yes, I mean, I think Secret Wars is the best conflict event of all time. I think any in any context, if you're asking, does it stick the landing? I think the answer is yes for any okay. series Hickman has so written. He, he doesn't leave 70% of the way through <laughs> because of some. No, 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 no. He sticks that out through Secret Wars and it's it's great. Um but I will say with Ultimate, like, the resolution of a lot of the ideas of Ultimates, it's not like Secret Wars goes back and revisits that. Like, there's a lot of fruit left on the tree. Um, whether it's things like you're saying, Zach, which are the people feel like they could be fleshed out more, which maybe the Humphreys run will go on to do, right? Um, but there's also just, like, there's these ideas <clears throat> and things that get seeded here, like Tony Stark and the wealthy elites. That just gets untouched <laughs> after, like, issue three. Um, Thor and Valhalla, Thor's son. These things go untouched. Uh, Captain America roaming on his own. Like I said, even the Zorns and Seer, what happens to them? All that is left on the table for Humphreys. But it is incredibly reminiscent of where we are with X-Men right now, which was the launch of House of X and Powers of Ten, 
an X-Men run. And then Hickman saying, okay, the plans don't quite line up. I'm out. Here are all the ideas. And this, he literally has the quote here um, in an interview with Humphreys where he's like, I told Sam all my plans. He can do whatever he wants. That's where X-Men is too. And it's like, I told the writers all the plans. They can do what they want. That gives some people confidence. When I look historically back at like, he's like, I told Sam all the plans. Like that still doesn't mean they're coming from the same mind. That still doesn't mean they're coming with the same vision. It doesn't mean they're going to land, you know? Um, so it's, it's a, a dicey proposition, but yeah, Zach, you're spot on. I mean, that's one of the, one of the tweets we got here from at Cathaldon one. It's a shame that both this and his X-Men seem like they had the potential to be his greatest works and neither reached their planned conclusion. His exit was understandable, but with Hickman's own disappointment in his Avengers run, it's hard not to what if ultimates. Um, yeah. Charlotte, let's throw it to you. Yeah. Do you, having read this, do you feel like there's a huge what if? Do you feel like this could have been? one of the greats or do you actually feel like maybe that's overstated i mean i think one of the things that's that's very frustrating about him not at least not yet having finished uh, his x-men is that some of the ideas he couldn't finish here he kind of transferred over to x-men and he still didn't finish uh, them there <laughs> yeah like the stuff with the the children of the tomorrow slash children of the vault yeah and uh, and stuff like that so yeah it's 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 weird that he played twice in not not in the same sandbox but with the same big ideas and neither times we we got to to see the end of that. Maybe one day he'll uh, come back to X Men and uh, and do that uh, second to third act. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's weird, but also I don't know if we would have gotten a Huxbox and his X Men if he had gotten to finish his Ultimates. Mm. Oh, it would have been a very different X Men. Um, yeah, that, that's uh, that's an interesting what if. It seems like it, without, the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go on. No, go but ahead. Without Secret Wars having completed so well. And I, I want to say, I have not read anything to do with Secret Wars. And <clears throat> my anticipation for that could not be higher. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is a constant daily struggle to not want to jump way ahead in my Marvelous Years Club and just start reading all of that because I'm incredibly excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but his Marvel work does... Uh, I guess that is the big exception because that works. Um, but if it was just this in x-men which is the stuff i've read i would be like yeah this guy should get away from superhero comics because he never uh, apparently can't like pull the landing <laughs> on what he wants to do like he should just stick to his creator own stuff and stick to these you know small series that he can i i just wonder in general like i i guess you again you're saying secret wars works but like his big long series uh i i, I wonder if you know big ideas and early execution is great and then like actually providing closure is something he, he has a problem with because I remember. Well, I, I think that's projects. overstated. I I do think that's a yeah. that's a that's an interesting conversation because of the way X Men fizzled out. Well, you're, um, you're going to have a whole year of talking about this. Would like do his series end as strongly as they begin? Yeah, I, I think the few I've read, I'd say no. Uh, Nightly News and Pax Romana and Manhattan Projects all. I but wouldn't say east of west east of west is definitely the biggest counter because it does, does go for a firm yeah. forty five issues yeah, and have a conclusion thing. that i think is is it as good as the beginning no but most comics aren't you know yeah. Yeah, but yeah, i think it's, it's effective i, I think okay. it, it's of a piece yeah, with that'll the be interesting to yeah. see over I the mean, next year i think when he actually goes for an ending it works but some of the examples here like pax romana that's that's not actually an ending that's right. the end of an introduction but it's not an actual ending may i don't know if the same yeah. is true for the nightly news i don't know if he planned on continuing that may- but i know manhattan projects like that's might have uh, had a continuation at some point. And, and that kind so, of yeah, just I think... drifts away, right? Manhattan Projects, and you'll get to that. It, great. Like, I love that comic. So, like, this is yeah. not shade against, you know, excited to reread that again. But that does just kind of fizzle. He's also not, he's also not especially unusual 
in that regard. There's a, a lot of those image boom books that came out circa 2012, 2013 or whatever. They do kind of just fizzle, right? Like, or they're like still going. <laughs> like there's like insane, yeah. like or like delayed um, payoff for like Deadly Class is still going somehow. Um, what what happened to Bitch Planet? Did that ever have resolution? Um, it, like Lazarus with Greg Rucka has had sporadic books. You know, like a lot of these books that were big in that launch period kind of just go and go and fizzle and then maybe end. Like Sex Criminals finally did have an ending. Saga she, just came back to ends. keep going. Um, yeah, no, like it's well. a mixed bag. Yeah. I'm just saying like he's but, not, yeah. no, he's no, definitely no, not alone in yeah, that wave no. of creators who had stuff in terms of like, did they, don't they resolve? I mean, I would say with his stuff, it's like, it, it's probably like a 70-30 split. Like 70% of these things do have endings um, that are, you know, varying degrees of effective, but the 30% really stands out because it's X-Men or it's Ultimates, right? Um, or Manhattan Projects, which was really big, you know, which kind of just fizzles and and but to your point charlotte you know pax romana is like well i'm going to come back to this but then it just never happens yeah um yeah. so there is some of that too where you're like well i'm leaving the door open to see um all right let's let's get back into the ultimate universe a little bit um in, in terms of like what this does what it sets up um what it kind of means for like basically like the ultimate universe as a concept because like you said zach like you're in the back half the deep back half of what ultimate comics are going to be of what this universe can be um hickman on the way out he leaves a lot of big ideas behind you know he leaves the maker and the the children of tomorrow in some capacity he leaves the people he leaves in america with a government that has literally been blown up right and um okay now we need to fill that void um there's some other like mass casualties in this book like three hundred thousand people die in a dirty bomb in i think eastern europe and that just that's like literally stated by Nick Fury is like, yeah, I can't worry about that right now because of the other stuff. I think going like on. the capital city of Uruguay too gets blown up at some point. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's yeah. a lot of big destruction and the universe feels completely changed by the end. Yeah. And it's one I think oh. it's one of the effective things about this book where it's like there's so much tension from the spy center, you know, Nick Fury viewing everything in terms of like everything's hitting the fan at once. I think that raises the stakes and amplifies sort of the sense of what's yeah. going on. But then by the time you get to the end of this, it's like. The world is, like, destroyed. Like, Ultimatum left the superhero universe destroyed. Ultimates leaves this whole world, Earth, like, as an absolute cluster and a mess. Um, what do you think about the kind of the way it exits, the way it walks out? And just, like, I guess, does it have you excited about the Ultimate Comics moving forward or, you know, concerned? Charlotte, you can go first. I mean, it's... <laughs> It was very. I didn't know there were more issues. I didn't know the run kept going after that with uh, with another writer. Because by the end, where, when there's the tease of uh, Captain America going back and stuff like that, it was like, oh, there's a continuation. I thought this was just like I thought this was basically like Hawksbox, like having a yeah. mini series to introduce a new direction for the world. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what's going to happen next, but I also don't. <laughs> I don't see it being. As interesting as uh, this was, or it could have been if uh, Hickman had kept going, but yeah. I'm certainly interested because um, I know also like what uh, comes out of it in later years and even after the end of the Ultimate Universe. Um, yeah, yeah I, I I agree. Although it's interesting, we're saying like the world is very changed. I don't really see that. Like I didn't walk away from this being like, oh my god, what's gonna happen next? Like how are they ever gonna like deal with this status quo shift? Because the only thing that feels particularly pertinent is that Washington, D.C. has blown up. I don't know if the city is still going to be 
a big player here, right? The city is here, and they might be a big player, and Washington, D.C. has been blown up. But, like... Well, also, like, a lot of Europe's been destroyed by the city. Yeah, but Ultimatum, like, wiped out all of New York City with a flood, and then, like, by the time you read the next issues, New York City's fine again, and we just have (laughs) moved on from that, right? Like, that's the... That kind of stuff, it feels like it's so easy to hand wave away and just like move to the back burner. So I'm I'm interested to see like I, I don't know if this is gonna have big ramifications, which is not, you know, a requirement of a good comic necessarily. Um but I didn't walk away from this being like, Wow, everything's changed. Like everything's different. I did walk but away it's saying it's not like it feels like it should be changed. Like because all that mm-hmm. happens if they don't address how the universe has changed, yeah. Sure. It feels like a, a yeah. Well here's a, here's a way of rephrasing the question then, which is maybe better, which is does it end effectively? Like clearly it is compressed by the end, right? And there's mm-hmm. a yeah. there's this transition period which I mentioned, but does it still end this story, these 12 issues effectively? Um Charlotte, let's start with you. Not really, cuz it's I mean, yeah, that's what we said, it's not actually an ending, so it's uh it's hard to say if it was a good ending or not. Mm-hmm. Um cuz because it's so open-ended, like none there is resolution that comes quick and that's uh, like it's weird that Tony Stark is at the center of the resolution where he wasn't like he's never been the character opposite Reed Richards he and he wasn't the main player of the story up, up until this point mm-hmm. at least not uh, in the way I read the comic um, <clears throat> yes it feels like the ending the last three issues feel very different feel different from the rest of the work uh in a way that's yeah it feels weird that that's the ending and that the the focus shifts a bit um like the and a lot of threads aren't resolved the mainly the zone zone thread i think mm-hmm. um yeah it's 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 yeah it's a weird ending in that it's not really an ending i, I don't know if i really agree i kind of thought this resolved fine uh it, it didn't feel necessarily like Hickman, like you could kind of feel the the rudder yeah. being pulled away from him to a degree, but like I thought it resolved interestingly, right? Like the the Tony Stark sabotaging it with a <laughs> a, a psychic brain tumor child, a uh, tumor ex machina. You know what? Like it sold it for me. That, that I I could see like that just not working, but yeah, that that worked all right for me. And the the way that that landed, I I, I think it's because the lar- It wasn't just that part. It was that it was just a way of sneaking into have someone talk to the city and basically, you know, ally with the city against Reed Richards. Um, I I think that is the part that works because that has strong, like, thematic resonance and character resonance uh, throughout what we've seen before. And, you know, and then it ends with, like, kind of a big superhero thing of an enormous Iron Man, the the 1960s version, fighting a giant man Hulk, which is fun. You know, that that shifted back into just having, like, big comic book fun. Yeah, yeah. I do think that's a thing that, Honestly, we've even overlooked, and I think fans often overlook a lot in in Hickman's work, and especially here with Eastside Rivich, who we've definitely, I've definitely undercredited how good Rivich is and just how much he sells the vision of what this world can be. But like one of the things with Hickman's writing, especially in the Marvel Universe, is one of the questions that I've heard him ask repeatedly in interviews and stuff is like, is it cool? (laughs) <laughs> like like that is which sounds so silly right it sounds so like you know 90s like rob liefeld like is it cool um but that's really important to him and it's also really important i think to me as a reader when i'm reading marvel universe stuff um it's a big part of what i love about so much in his marvel universe stuff you know in secret wars and definitely here in the ultimate universe like and certain stuff like even just subverting expectations like there's a moment where 
the you know the shield is is behind the eight ball, and the the children of tomorrow and Reed have had him beat at every turn. And Nick Fury is like, all right, we're dropping in the Hulk. So they drop the Hulk into the city, and he's destroying the children of tomorrow until Reed just starts talking to him. And you have this moment in these beautiful panels by Ribich, again with colors by Dean White of the Hulk and the Maker face to face, and these Reed just being like, what is it? What's wrong, Bruce? And they just have this conversation, and it subverts your expectations. Because it's like, hey, have yeah. we tried talking to the Hulk before? Have we, you know, and, and the maker's playing him, right? But he's correct in saying, like, they're playing you. They're manipulating you. Like, you're, you're not going to get what you want. They're just using you. To the point that then the Hulk just, like, is, like, napping in the corner <laughs> of the city for, like, the <laughs> remainder of those comics. That's really funny and cool yeah. and, and very enjoyable with what we know about these characters and what typically happens with the Hulk. Um, and then stuff like you're saying, Zach, with, like, like when Sam... At one point, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, comes in and he's like, I can sneak into the city. And you just have these images of this incredible futuristic sci-fi world in a literal city. And you just give Ribbage the space to mm-hmm. show what could that look like. And it's beautiful. Glorious, glorious stuff. Um, that's really cool. You know, so I, I do think that's a piece that like it feels less intelligent. It feels less haughty than talking about the big ideas and evolution of societies um but it's really important <laughs> and this comic does it very very well yeah yeah i i, I agree with that i um i, I do oh isaf ribich i did want to just talk about like incredible work the the i don't know what he does this the the, the smoothness and the color palette <laughs> that is at play here um is such a a, a mainstay with him um he, he's got this way of drawing skin and muscles and veins that like I just never see in anything else. Um, I I will say he does the big bug-eyed thing here quite a so bit. So much, yeah. <laughs> it never works as well here as it does in his uh, when he's working with Jason Aaron and Thor because he does it there. Got a thunder, like, yeah. Incredible effect. Like there's a few moments there where he does the like, and it's silly, right? Like it's kind of this like silly cartoonish bug eyes. Um, but in there, it's for these moments of like stark terror, like Thor feeling this like intense terror that really sell it right it's so outsized and so like kind of uncanny um and it, it works fine here but i i just want to like this it does make me laugh though uh, in places where it's yeah. not supposed yeah. to definitely yeah. there's right. one specific panel of sam wilson and it looks like his eyes are closed and then he has eyes painting over them yeah 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 a little bit uh it works fine like that's it's not yeah. actually a complaint necessarily but like this did just made me want to go read that jason aaron thor stuff again because that god hunter or yeah. uh, god killer god what is it uh, uh god bomb god bomb god but butcher? before that it's the the god killer yeah god killer, yeah god butcher god, killer. god butcher god butcher thank you i knew it was that wasn't right yeah the god butcher arc incredible that that's one of my favorite uh, like single arcs in superhero comics and that oh, yeah. art is a, a big reason why that art is incredible um and ribbit will yeah. team up again with hickman on secret wars and it's a big part of what makes 2015 cool. secret wars so yeah. flipping Man, exciting more excited about that yeah damn can we just skip 1995 through 2000 whatever <laughs> i know i know i'm, I'm kind of yeah. there with you um okay i i do want to so i i think in general we're both or we're all pretty into the hickman verse on the ultimates i mean i think the biggest criticism or lament is obviously just the it's seeded for a years-long run and it doesn't get that for kind of yeah. the reasons we outlined, whether it's, and and it's it's probably, a, you know, it's a combination of all these things, right? It's going up against the new 52. It's Hickman gets the chance to do Avengers. Um, it's kind of just, I, I mean, I think part of it too is just like, 
the Ultimate Universe is on its last legs. And even if you took the New 52 out of the equation, how well would this have done? You know, it seems like the kind of series that, like, this was critically acclaimed at the time. It's not like it didn't get press and and attention for being good. Um, but you're a decade plus into the Ultimate Universe. And that's kind of been my thing we talk about all the time on Marvel this year and variant covers or whatever, where it's like, I think the Ultimate Universe has a 10-year shelf life at the most. Um, and it's past that, you know? Um, and you can reboot it. But it's also just like, it's just weirdly named, even. Ultimate Comics Ultimates? Like, that's confusing, I think. And <laughs> yeah. it's always, it's like, what? what well, is this? Well, I mean, a big, a big portion of this run that is somewhat necessary is just tucked into a four-issue Ultimate Hawkeye mini, uh-huh. which is like, who cares about Ultimate Hawkeye at this point, right? But it turns out to be one of the better comics in the Ultimate yeah. line ever. Uh-huh. But unless you... It, you know, this actually had me thinking about comics existing in a pre-social media age. Because I bet this comic got totally slept on, right? Like Ultimate Hawkeye. I bet no one read this comic, and I bet it, you know, did not particularly sell. Let's just say I didn't see it in the sales charts when I was scanning I uh, for Ultimate. Purely yeah. because no one cares about that character in or out of the Ultimate Universe. Sorry, everybody. Just How dare little, you? I know, just a little this Hawkeye is, joke. This is... <laughs> Right. Actually, almost, um, almost exactly when Fraction and, and yeah. um, Aha start start their okay. Hawkeye run. Yeah, but but you could see why this would totally flop just out of like, well, why would I pick that up? Who cares about that? But in a in an era of social media, stuff like this does get picked up more. You know, like you get stuff like there's that Sabretooth comic that just came out, and I would think the same thing yeah, about boy. that. Where I'd be like, yeah, Sabretooth. Who cares about a Sabretooth miniseries? Except that I've seen. Everyone on Twitter be like, "Wow, this is one of the better X Men comics that's come out in a year." Sure. Um, so I think I think you know that just was an interesting reflection of like, I mean, word of mouth still existed, obviously, right? But it did not spread quite as much as. How did the people know it was Christmas in the year two thousand eleven? <laughs> How would they ever have <laughs> right, found out? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, even more than having the what if of what if he had been able to continue this run. This makes me think of like, what if he had been able to relaunch the Ultimate Universe with like, God, I know, an actual new universe, mm-hmm. like a full yeah, new uh-huh. start? Mm-hmm. That would have been incredible. To yeah, see. I know. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I would love, and it's still, I mean, it's still kind of on the table. Like that's still one of the number one, yeah. what could Hickman do next? Kind of like favorites of mine and plenty of others, which is like they've been teasing an Ultimate Universe relaunch for some time. I mean, I don't. If I'm them, I don't know why you don't wait until 2025 for the 25th anniversary, um, aside from the obvious fact that it would do really well, <laughs> you know, and get sales if you need <laughs> and, them. And they can't help, uh, they can't actually do anything that would help them that much at this point. I mean, yeah, like, but yes, I think rebooting it, starting fresh. I mean, I love that idea. Um, Zach, you mentioned something that I actually want to go back to there. You said Ultimate Comics Hawkeye being one of the best Ultimate Universe comics. I mean, having read the whole thing from 2000 out yeah, through yeah. 2011. Yeah, yeah. Where do these stand for you in comparison to like everything else? It's pretty, it's pretty up there, you yeah. know, <laughs> right? Like it, and it's hard to compare against Spider-Man. Spider-Man's like this other thing that really jumps out to me, yeah. but it's like Spider-Man's so up and down and we talked about it. It's just consistently good. Well, the, but and I don't the think, length like, of Spider-Man, obviously, you know, and, but like barely any one part of Spider-Man, I would say is better than this, but you know, as, as a aggregate, yeah, it's, it's like a very good run overall. Besides that, the only thing that stacks up against this stuff for me is um, Jason Aaron's Ultimate Comics Captain America miniseries, which I really love. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think that comic's great. Yeah. Charlotte, what, what do you think um, in, in your Ultimate reading? Uh, do you like Ultimates 3 better? <laughs> <laughs> 
No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting because I I tend to agree with Zach. I think it's uh, like yeah in the sandbox of uh, of uh, Jason Aaron on Captain America and yeah some of Bendis at his best on Spider Man and it's interesting that in its place in the Ultimate Universe this is the successor to Miller on Ultimate and on X Men because X Men and Magneto specifically was the center of the Ultimate Universe for so long. Right. Um, and this is the successor to that, as this is the new center of the Ultimate Universe. And yeah, I <laughs> I vibe with this way more than I ever did with Miller, because I I like Hickman's style way more than I do Miller's, even uh, even at his best. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I like this better than any Miller Ultimate, which I, I know the first Ultimate is a uh, high, very highly regarded, and I think it's a good comic. But I I liked this. Oh, yeah, I like yeah, I I like that comic quite a bit. The the Hitch Miller stuff, uh, but this is like miles better. You know, it, it's interesting yeah. actually having read all the Ultimate stuff and knowing exactly what Hickman is pulling from, that he is so successful in integrating like Mark Miller's characters. Because I was like, he's gonna do a hot like. Yeah. That Hawkeye character has sucked <laughs> throughout the Ultimate uh-huh, Universe. Right, it is, it is not a cool character, uh, especially lately. You know, and uh, what's he going to do with it? And you know what? Like, he threads the balance of it being like, yeah, that still feels like the same Hawkeye, but you know, it doesn't have that same like grungy, nasty tone to it. Like, he's still gross, right? Like, he still makes some crass jokes, but like, it doesn't feel quite the same. I don't know. I, I think he pulls off that balancing act of like sticking to the original comic without. Um, he's he softens the the juvenilia i think yeah. effectively yeah. with hawkeye in particular um yeah. he leans more into like yeah this guy's a soldier he's been a soldier all his life he runs black ops missions for nick fury you know um and and it's not it, it doesn't feel like a different person but it feels like a person that i can read without just cringing the entire time um which is which is useful. I mean, I think the same is true for like, again, like he clearly has affinity for ultimates. I mean, I think that, I think that's a work that a lot of comics creators in the superhero sphere look at and they're like, yeah, that's how you do superhero comics. Um, or at least the influence of it. But like, you know, his Tony Stark is the Tony Stark of the ultimate universe, you know, no question, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. He's, mm-hmm. he's joking and he's messing with wealthy elites while simultaneously being Iron Man, his Thor, obviously he has a connection to this version of Thor. Cause he, he makes his origin work in the ultimate universe, you know, like he's the one who's like, Hey, did we ever explain the whole thing where he's maybe a God, maybe not a God. And he actually goes back and does it. Um, which, you know, to me doesn't feel super necessary, but like in the ultimate universe, I guess it kind of is, but yeah, like, and, and his Nick Fury is very good too, right? Like he, he takes and runs with, with the Nick Fury of the ultimate universe, which is, you know, with the exception of Hickman's secret warriors, ironically, like the Nick Fury of the ultimate universe is the only cool Nick Fury. Um, actually that's not true. I like the Bendis Nick Fury. Anyway, what were you going to say, Zach? Uh, he's also just really funny. We uh, it's something. I mean, this is something that's always being said. It's like, oh, I'm surprised that Jonathan Hickman is funny. Like we we all forget this regularly. <laughs> Having mean, read Transhuman, trust me, I forgot this. <laughs> I forgot. This. <laughs> I, I mean, and in not like like he just has sometimes very juvenile. But like really well paced jokes. The joke of because uh, Thor is having all of Asgard in his head. Uh, like the joke is, I don't even know if it's a joke, but like Valhalla is in his head now. Um, well, well, Volstag uh, passing gas at a table. Right, exactly. That's, that's that, a classic that punchline. <laughs> it's a it's a great joke because they're all like having yeah. this serious speech, and he was just like, "I have grave grave news, my friend," and that it's a close up cut of Volstag's face, and he's like, "I have passed gas," and then the entire table starts laughing. While Thor, you know, just hangs his head mm-hmm. <laughs> depressed. Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great joke. Um, and, you know, in like uh, just a lightness of touch to this, you know, the, the drinking bear, stuff like that. You know. 
he, uh, he he knows how to he just knows how to pace out a comic too and he knows how to make it not too heavy all the time like each he, 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 he does something that i talk about all the time but he writes issues of comics right like this is the issue where we get to see sam break in to mm. the city this is the issue where shield does the assault on the city and it is all pushing everything forward but this issue has a descriptor and it is not just like oh well here's the seven threads and they all just inch forward during this issue and the next issue they all inch forward a little more and like there's a little of that of course right you get little updates from some characters but most issues have like this is what's happening in this issue right and i just i love someone who uses comics <laughs> in the medium uh properly yeah I would say. well and i think that would have been one of the biggest benefits of this going longer is that type of structure then as you do more focused individual issues as you get closer and closer to telling the full story those things mm -hmm. begin to come together more naturally you know whereas whereas this it kind of just kind of has to rush it for the last bit you know one one of the last things i really like about ultimates too is there's just more marvel universe tie-in stuff that the ultimate universe hasn't played with that i then i remembered you know you mentioned the celestials the eternals and the deviants and kind of just tossing out those concepts you get a similar thing with the runaways um, just like mutants who go and flee to Teon now, they're called runaways. Um, oh yeah, did that did that bother you, Charlotte? I was wondering. I was like, I bet, no, it's not <laughs> yeah. like this. I mean, the the use of having them be called the Eternals, the Celestials, and the Runaways, I don't really mind it. I just think the if the comic hadn't used those words, the, nothing would be different. It's sure. It's it doesn't do a lot more than just hey, recognize that thing from the main universe. Yeah, we're using that word. I, I think with the Celestials and Eternals, I actually hate it. I do think with the Celestials and Eternals and and Zorn, that's actually a reimagining of what those words yeah. mean. Whereas Runaways is is a nod and a wink. Um, and they and doesn't doesn't an interesting uh, interesting inversion of the Eternals in that in six one six the they're basically supposed to be the origins of the Marvel universe, whereas here they're they're the future. They're they're more. I mean, not not exactly transhuman, posthuman, like which is something he'll tackle yeah. in in his X Men. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's an interesting inversion, and also that, that like in in the comics, the Eternals all have their own uh, personalities, and they all look different. Where, whereas the Celestials all look more the same, and here it's the it's the opposite, where the Celestials seem to all have their own uh, personalities although i didn't it was unclear to me what the difference between the two brothers exactly was except that one was uh more meaner than the other well one has a sun inside his head and one has a black hole and, <laughs> okay. and one is yeah, peaceful and and meditative Same. and the other is the destroyer of worlds like that's, very that, cool. that's yeah. mostly it um yeah, so the the uh i mean also you can always Say like if they wanted to do a version of the Runaways, you could just ignore that one line. <laughs> and, oh yeah, and just no, do it definitely. Anyway. Sure, yeah. right, sure. Yeah. Well, you also get West Coast Avengers uh, here with the wackos. Wait, do we though? Because they they that whole thing <clears throat> kicked off that they were gonna go find those, you know, the West Coast Avengers, and then I was like, wait, who are they? Did they prop up again? Like drop drop thread, drop thread by the end of the yeah, twelve is issues. It? Okay, because I was like, I was waiting to see the team, and then I never really felt like we got to see the team and then i just kind of forgot about it yeah i don't i, I don't know if the intent was um well, we it's just nick fury's west coast you know installations um or if there's actually like a secret team in waiting i, I don't i don't know what the intent was yeah. uh and then the other thing was la contessa valentine uh, a hickman favorite from secret warriors gets pulled back she's in the uh the wealthy elites 
meeting with Tony oh, Stark. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, I've talked a lot, as we've talked about this, about, like, wanting people to do different stuff with the playground in the Ultimate Universe, you know, to get imaginative with takes on characters and concepts. Um, but then I've been resistant to some of the ways that got executed, you know, Brian K. Vaughn's mean Mr. Sinister, where he just looks like a guy who, like, <laughs> listens to too much Puddle of Mud and and maybe is hallucinating Apocalypse. <laughs> like, that didn't work for me at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. But I, I find Hickman's approach straddling that line fairly effective. And, and I think with certain things like Runaways, you could say, like, well, it'd be cool if they actually did a version. Um, but clearly there are no plans for that. So given that, I'm like, sure, whatever. Do the nod and the wink. Um, yeah. But I, I, I do just love that it actually, like, gets a real build on what was there in the Ultimate Universe before, you know, like, like, and Hickman does this a lot with Bendis' stuff in particular, like, they're, Bendis, you know, kind of helps him get into Secret Warriors and, and launches it, but it's like, he takes Bendis' work on the Maker, or on Reed, and he's like, all right, you walked, I'm gonna run, um, I'm gonna take that and make it something that is so cool that it's still used in Marvel Comics right now, you know, in the 616. Yeah. So, um, I, I think that's some, some pretty impressive work as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. What what other big thoughts did you have? Any any other ideas that you want to make sure we touch on? Uh, uh, I no. mean, we touched on the Volstagg fart joke, so I, th- I think that's what's the most important, yeah. important <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't forget that. Yeah. The final, the the other Twitter take that I got yesterday from at XLL522 said, people see this as a precursor to his Avengers for obvious reasons, um, which it is. I mean, it literally, that's literally what comes next. Um, there's certain panels and yeah. dialogue that are like beat for beat the same. In terms of like like when Thor gets discovered by Ex Nihilo and the Mars people and Avengers, like they use the same dialogue that the Children of Tomorrow use when they discover Thor. Somebody showed that on Twitter yesterday, um, which was cool. Uh, there's um, like the Zebra people as advanced, you know, evolution. Like there's concepts and things that definitely yeah. compare. And then obviously like it all builds to Secret Wars at kind of this end of the story. Um, but Excel says I think I seeing that I see it more in comparison with X Men, which we talked about. You know, a franchise essentially failing. And Hickman giving carte blanche to make any changes he saw fit, um, it probably is the most the most comparable. Because even Fantastic Four might have that reputation now, but it certainly wasn't quite in those straits then. I mean, because that's another thing where he actually he's literally following Miller and Hitch on Fantastic Four on a run that no one talks about. Um, so it's kind of just fallen to the wayside because it didn't work. But it's not like he was following you know a disaster, quote unquote. Like he was following big name creators on a Fantastic Four run that just didn't really hit. Um, but here with Ultimates, it's definitely like, and, and, and the thing I'll say too, giving my, my favorite thing to do is give credit to Ultimatum, an idea that I loved. You cannot have Ultimate Comics Ultimates without Ultimatum. Um, I think it is the, Ultimates is the thing that makes Ultimatum maybe worth it. And nobody wants to hear that because Ultimatum's <laughs> really bad and it's very, very poorly executed, but strategically you cannot get one without the other. Um, it's a little bit like. Killing Joke and Barbara Jordan getting paralyzed by the Joker, bad thing, bad thing. You don't get Oracle. Don't you don't, I mean, you don't get a later better thing without the bad thing. Please. <laughs> are they? Are those not exactly comparable scenarios I brought up? <laughs> no. Clearly, uh, was that a bad metaphor? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I know. I, I know. I know what you meant. Yes, it's, it's a good comparison. Okay, so I made a great point, and everyone agrees. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I take it back. I take it back. I did it out. Zach, any final ultimate thoughts or uh, Hawkeye thoughts? Things we didn't touch on? Funny little bits? No, you no, want no. To no. I, uh, that's that's it for me. I uh, yeah, just very very enjoyable, exciting for this, and like could not be more excited to get to the Hickman era of Marvel comics. Like there's <laughs> there's nothing that's just like more like my thing exactly than you know because I I like I'm having so much fun with reading his uh, his independent work. 
Like even the stuff that is like not top tier Hickman is still like I'm just you know I think he's a fascinating creator. Yeah. Um, and then hearing that you know you think it's totally successful, right? And like most people think it's very successful. Um, Secret Wars number nine is one of the best stuck landings of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Very very yeah. excited about that. In oh man, it's gonna be like 2025 maybe. <laughs> like it's Secret Wars number nine, and then Carrie Strug on the broken ankle. Like I think it's one two stuck landings. Mm, that's interesting. Very, very interesting. contemporary reference. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> to, uh, what is that? 1996 Olympics, uh, U.S. Olympics history. I don't even know. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll have to look it up too. I'm going to reference the same one. Um, oh yeah, I'll... no, it's just because you got the year maybe wrong. That's why I didn't get it. Mm, must be, must be that. Um, okay, so yeah, this is good. I would say in terms of like prereqs for reading, um, I would definitely recommend reading the Ultimate Fallout bits again. If you start at issue three, I think is when Hickman comes on board. Um, I, I they do break it up. I, I don't think any of that's necessary. I think it really helps with the Tony and the... It, necessary is a stretch, but, like, it is context, and it is not... Yeah. It's 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 yeah. of a piece, and it's the same the, style. The Tony stuff, kind of. The Maker stuff, I actually think, works better without, because then you actually get the reveal. Because you don't know it, maybe, yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. the reveal is fun. Uh, the Tony stuff, like, is summed up in a sentence, which is, like, he's involved with a club of high financiers who are doing some dastardly stuff. I was so confused by the idea of wealthy elites doing dastardly stuff. I did not <laughs> see that coming. Especially in a Jonathan Hickman book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and like that's the thing too, where it's like, I would have liked to have seen him, what he thought he was going to do with that concept here, because that's obviously yeah. something that he plays with a ton, most notably in like Black Monday Murders, which is one of my favorite um, mm-hmm. Hickman books that yeah, obviously we'll get to. to. That too. Yeah. yeah, so next time on Hickmania, um, we're going to hop out of the Marvel Universe, we're going to hop back to creator-owned, we're going to talk about a red mass from Mars, uh, which is um, Hickman doing creator-owned superheroes, which I actually think will be really interesting. In contrast to this, um, it is it is of a piece with the likes of like Injustice or Irredeemable, but uh, but definitely done in a pretty different way. Oh, that's um, weird because I I think next time on my Ultimate Year we're going to be talking about more Miles Morales mm-hmm. Spider-Man comics, uh, a thirteen-issue ultimate x-men nick spencer run yeah and uh spider-men one through five which i don't really know what that means why uh what that is but oh well, i'm excited yeah. for you to find out what that means because that is a that's a favorite of the era yeah i like that one. cool do you know who writes it spider-men's bendis is it bendis again okay and uh, oh i feel like i should know the artist off the top of my head but now i can't think of who it is um hmm. blanking okay but no that that one's good uh, i like that stuff so all right so cool. all you have to do to keep hearing all this hickmania um, you can like and subscribe the uh, the Comic Book Herald <laughs> podcast. Like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. They will be available via podcast and YouTube. For my ultimate year, which I begrudgingly do recommend, <laughs> podcast I was on <laughs> for, for two years. The, the more money my ultimate year makes, it goes straight into your pocket despite not being on the show. So. <laughs> what are you talking about? You, you get how how am I making money off of my ultimate year? Please, please send I me mean, that if, report. If it gets us Patreon backers. You get sure. some of that money. Sure. That's a that's a thing that could happen. Um, you can subscribe, like and subscribe <laughs> to my ultimate year, uh, the podcast. Please do that. Keep hearing Zach and Charlotte break down the entire of the Ultimate Universe. You know, and, and then we've got you know a spreadsheet for all the comics. You can find the Ultimate Universe reading order on comicbookherald.com. Um, that's you know, in a sense, what they're they're working off. Um, but if you want to do, you know, and the thing we we didn't say up front, but it's like the Ultimate Universe is such a fun way to explore Marvel Comics because you can read the whole thing from 2000 to 2015. And it is contained in a way that obviously 616 is not. 
Um, so, you know, and that's why you're actually coming to a conclusion, whereas we just started uh, the Marvel Comics of 1995 in my Marvelous Year. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything else? Charlotte, where should people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Fiero Charlotte, and you can find me on the Slack. Zach, where should people find you? Over on My Marvelous Year on Twitter and uh, in the Slack again. Okay. I'm at Comic Book Herald, everywhere online, and comicbookherald.com. Charlotte, final question. You mentioned uh, Krakoa parallels between what Hickman's doing here and Ultimates. Um, what, did you, what did you want to say there? What were you thinking about in terms of the, the X-Men Krakoa parallels? Oh, yeah. It, it was interesting because uh, the... The way t- I think it's it's Tian, yeah. the like the heaven cities of uh, Zone and Zone, those are feel very similar to to what uh, Hickman will do with Krakoa in his X Men, and there's specific pages of Zone basically addressing the world via his oracle. That's almost page per page uh, the same thing as in uh, Professor X announcing to the world the nation of Krakoa, which is interesting. That in X Men it's specifically for mutants. And here, Zone and Zone basically say that uh, heaven will be a safe heaven for anyone that needs it. Mm -hmm. Like, whether it be mutants. Here we see, uh, like, three mutants that were being basically used by uh, Nick Fury join uh, heaven. And it's it's interesting that uh, this is a more, not vague, but more large uh, version of what Krakoa is. And it's it's closer to what Krakoa represents for for um, non-um... non-specifically fantasy uh, superhero, um, like what it means for actual um, p- discriminated against people. And yeah, there's a potential for the Ultimate Universe, heaven being a a safe place for anyone that needs it and not just mutants and not just uh, superhero people. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a cool idea. I definitely see the parallels. There's a lot of language parallels too. Um, I'll just, I'll end on this yeah. one. You know, he Hickman repeatedly uses the the language, this is the world we've made. Here in Ultimates, yeah, and mm-hmm. that is something he returns to a lot. It's particularly in East of West. That's a quote I like. This is the world. It's not the one we were supposed to have, but it's the one we made. We did this. We did it with open eyes and willing hands. We broke it, and there is no putting it back together. Been feeling that one. Been feeling that one these days, uh, and it's definitely <laughs> a theme that runs here through Ultimates. So, all right, this is good. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, again, links to all the comics, what's coming next, in the show notes. Um, Hickmania. On YouTube and Comic Book Herald, my ultimate year, also on Comic Book Herald. Great show, great show. I love it. Um, I'm teasing, but <laughs> oh, that's right. We don't have doing, an ending for this show. You're doing a great job, <laughs> and uh, we don't have an ending. Some vamping. Uh, enjoy the comics. Enjoy the ultimates. <laughs> enjoy the Hickmans. Enjoy the Hickmans. Maybe. Maybe.